The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Kevin Stanfield and Claude Jennings, who are entirely responsible for its content. Sorry, guys, you are on your own. This is the Federal Football Report, a weekly wrap-up of all things burgundy and gold. The Federal Football Report on Federal News Radio. Here are your hosts, Kevin Stanfield and Claude Jennings. That's right. It's another edition of the Federal Football Report on the Federal News Network. I'm Kevin Stanfield. Claude Jennings has the day off, which is interesting because this is our Veterans Day tribute and... I am the veteran of the crew, so how is Claude getting the day off and I am not? Well, it's because this is a labor of love for me, and we decided since this is a bye week, we are going to do something a little different. Last year, I had the opportunity to introduce the world to one of my favorite people in the whole world, a gentleman who I had the pleasure of serving in the United States Army with a long, long time ago, and his name is Edward Johnson. We call him Bus, and we just wanted to replay of the interview we did uh, with Buzz last year because, you know, when people find out that I served in the military, they will tell me, thank you for your service. And I appreciate that. But they don't really know what they're thanking me for. They don't know what it's like. They figure every person who's in the Army doesn't go to combat, but their roles are vital. You're prepared for combat because you're only pretty much a signature away. But we wanted to let you know what that experience was like on this Veterans Day, a bye week. Get your mind off of football and... Consider some of the things that are more important in life. So without further ado, here it is from the Federal Football Report. Hey, this is Kevin Stanfield of the Federal Football Report back at you as part of our tribute to all of our veterans out there. I'd like to introduce the world to my friend, Bus Johnson, Edward Bus Johnson. I guess, <laughs> you know, I think I've known Bus longer than I know anybody outside of high school, right? So, you know what? I was trying to figure out how did we meet, man? Exactly how did we meet? Well, actually, uh, we were in Fort Devens, Massachusetts. Uh, both of us living in a world of the Arctic is what it was like uh, up there. And uh, both of us were both uh, in uh, the Armed Security Agency, and uh, life was a lot different back in those days, yeah. especially for minorities, you know, in uh, uh, in a somewhat uh, elite part of the service. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, man, like our particular, like, you know, a bunch of civilians listening to us, they don't know anything about what an MOS is. But our job, man, our job was so technical. I think there was only like five black people in the world doing what we were doing at that time. That's absolutely right. In, <laughs> in fact, um, I think one of the three was the head of the school yeah. uh, of the school brigade, right? Which right. Uh, I think both you and I got uh, an introduction to. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> you know, we can because of the classified nature of what we talk about. But yeah, think... absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely, and and there was a, a certain amount of clown that was in it. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, and, so, uh, I, I think that, that tended that think... tend to, to kind of get us uh, in in some situations well, as well. well. Well, without getting into detail, I think somebody might have been dating his daughter at something at at the time, right? Which I. I don't think it was me. <laughs> well, I've been thinking. <laughs> I, I actually have forgotten about. That. <laughs> so, but, but you know, you know, it, it, it wasn't my it wasn't my fault. No, what I doing? And I did have some encouragement from a younger brother that I had uh, adopted. Now, to everybody who was out here, you did this listening, Kevin. As a very young man, he was he was very young when I met him. And uh, but he insisted on being called Mr. Stanfield. 
mean, I know he's giggling right now. You know, Doctor <laughs> K and that's right, Mister Stanfield. So you know, I had thirteen. I came from thirteen kids, right? <laughs> and kind of the last thing I was expecting that I would inherit a younger brother, <laughs> Kevin. One way or the other, he was my little brother. So and, I had to look out for him. You know, how, and, uh, you know, since you had like siblings, you know that sometimes the little brother would just tag along, even if you didn't want to, you didn't invite him. He just tag along anyway, and that was me. That was me. That, I, that was him. That that was, that was, you know what? I tell people like on the nature films, you know that little bird that hangs on top of the rhinoceros. <laughs> that, that was me. Yeah, you know, and and, and and he says, "Well, look, I'm eating, and the rhinoceros is sitting back in hand. <laughs> won't leave me alone." Hey, hey, but but you know what though? I mean, we laugh and joke about it, but man, but we were in a in, in an elite unit, right? We were in a unique part of the army that doesn't even exist anymore, right? We had to have a. I guess we can say this because we're on Federal News Radio. We had to have a top secret clearances. We had a access to special intelligence, and you know, if somebody pulls up into your house, man, while we're doing this interview, you know, with the with the black cars and and the you know suburbans and stuff, that you know, that's has nothing to do with the show right now. But but yeah, man, it was it was a very I mean, we had a lot of time, a lot of good times, but it was a very specialized training that we were going through too. And, and, and if memory serves me correctly, I think you were in the first thirty-three S class. That's right. And I was in the second. That's right. That's right. Uh, when they created it, and uh, actually, uh, mine ended up uh, being eighteen months. Wow. Uh, yeah. you know, my list of training. So I spent a good portion of my first tour uh, in school and studying and. Uh, living in uh, the Arctic, being up in uh, the Boston area. Yeah, but but t- tell the people, man, what like what Army life meant to you? Like how you? It was certainly different than being, uh, as they used to say, out in the world. But t- tell them how you how you adapted, how you handled it so well. The Army for for me, uh, uh, if, if I had made uh, a prior attempt, something not so well publicized, uh, to join the Army, and I was very much underage, even younger than you were, Kevin. Man. But, uh, you know, I had an oldest brother who uh, went to Vietnam, and uh, he got wounded and later passed away uh, during the Tet Offensive. Uh-huh. And uh, he he had just turned 21 years old. And my my one of my brothers, who was really close to me, he was like, 16 or I think he was 15 and I think I was 14 so we decided to go down to the recruiters and we were going to join the army at the time I had a baby face hadn't grown any hair and uh, most of the hair I had was on my head (laughs) Uh, so the recruiter (laughs) the recruiter didn't embarrass us or turn us away you know and make us feel bad he just kind of waited and it was late in the day so he gave us a ride home and uh, nothing was ever said about that. Um, after my second year of college, I always was uh, somewhat uh, drawn to uh, structure, uh, uh, Boy Scouts and yeah. uh, and things like that, yeah. and as well as the military. So when I would see people in uniform, I'm like, oh, man, you know, they, they stand for something, and they had order in their life and structure and uh, the way they carried themselves, and I, I just liked uh, the fact that, you know, we could be a part of something. But after my brother passed away, I had uh, a different sense of understanding, uh, not uh, just because uh, it was something for the country, but it was both an opportunity for me to be able to go in and do something with my life. Right, right. Uh, if I chose to have a future, 
I didn't have the limitations that I was facing when I was out on the streets. Yeah. Uh, if people may remember, in 1973, there was uh, tremendous gas shortages. Um, the economy was really bad. Yes. Uh, interest rates were really high. That's right. Uh, there was not truly an era for uh, for uh, minorities, uh, for sure. And I will say in my neighborhood, but during the time during Vietnam, many of the older kids were basically decimated and taken from our neighborhoods. Right, right. I mean, right. I only knew one kid that was 4F. Right. So for me, it was to go in and uh, serve the country, uh, get a career, you know, uh, get into a career field that would allow me opportunity where I could dictate what I would do and not have someone else do so. So after my second year of college, uh, I finished exams, and uh, I think maybe eight or ten days later, I'm in Fort Jackson, pumping up Fort Jackson and basic training, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, so there was a long lineage, actually five of us, uh, in my family, my direct family, uh, served in the military. One Marine, uh, Daryl and I, we were like twins. Yeah. And uh, he was in uh, uh, Camp Lejeune uh, four days apart from when I was in Fort Jackson, uh, South Carolina, in Basic. But when I went to Fort Devens, it was so uh, much of a, a breath of fresh air to have met you uh, and see that, you know, Hey, look, I'm I'm not the only one. Not only in Armed Security Agency, with had like a tenth of one percent uh, were uh, were minorities. Right, right, right. But to be able to see someone wrestle with some of the same challenges at a young age, and you being younger, uh, I could relate to some of the uh, responsibilities for also helping you you know right, exactly so we, we we really grew uh close uh very fast uh and it was also a supportive role because i needed the same type of support from you pushing me as well as me pushing you to be successful because we didn't see uh other blacks you right, know right. not only in army security agency i had one brother who was in asa uh, but it was just rare. You know, you would hear about people being in other parts of the world, but you didn't necessarily know them. So it, it meant a lot to me if I if I could ever say that the most um, impacting thing that ever happened in my life was uh, joining the Army and proving that I was a good soldier. Yeah, you know what? That's a very interesting point because now we received a lot of very, very sophisticated training and and career building training, and right, and plus with the security aspect. But it was an exchange. It wasn't like they were just giving us stuff. We were giving them stuff too, right? And you know, because I mean, it takes something to be a good soldier, and and I think that was the cool thing, man, because we were about having some fun, but we also took pride in what we were doing, right? We took pride in marching up and down those streets, right? And and being in a formation and having those starched uniforms and stuff, man. It was it was it was it was a a actual a life building experience was what it was. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can remember I, I remember we were in uh, a battalion uh formation one time at Fort Devons and um there was a captain that was there. I don't know if you remember Captain Loudermill. Oh yeah. Captain Loudermill knew my oldest brother, next to my oldest brother, uh, Tony. Oh, yeah? And uh, 
he saw the, the certain things in me that I didn't even see in myself. Yeah. Because, I mean, I faced the same struggles of, man, I don't know why I go through all of this. You know, I had already made it beyond any point where I would be kicked out of the military or something like that. But right, right, right. it was very difficult, as you would say, as far as the, uh, the level of study and commitment you had to put towards both understanding your responsibilities in the military and upholding those, but also the educational responsibilities uh, were very difficult as well because the foundation for me, even having had what I thought was a higher level math when I came uh, out of high school and, and in college, I was challenged. Yeah, you know, yeah. my starting point was, was a little different. So when they started talking about antenna wave propagation and things like that and the mathematics behind it, I mean, I had to go and catch up and brush up on a lot of things that I wasn't so well prepared for. Right. So right. it was both challenging but also rewarding. Yeah, very. And uh, when you put on new stripes, and I remember you putting on stripes, it was almost like, you know, you grew a chest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because it meant something. I could do it now. Yeah, it meant something because it meant something to you and everybody around you, right? You know, look, one thing I want to I want to uh, also emphasize: this is a sports show. Um, you know, sports was a, a large part of our lives back then because we didn't really weren't really able to do a whole, whole lot. I mean, we did find a way to have an active social life, right? But 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 I but, mean, but some t- of us did. <laughs> I, you know what? After bus gets off the phone, I'm gonna tell you all some stories, right? But uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna disrespect him by saying all this stuff, right? Right here. But tell tell uh, tell audience about like the role that sports played uh, in your military career. Well, back in in the time when we were in, they would ask for volunteers. The implied um, response of you not volunteering was. Um, you know, you you get the crap list. <laughs> That's right. Putting it in different terms. Yeah. So if they said you, 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 and they would pick Kevin and myself and um, some some other mother colleagues, and it says, okay, you know, we have a um, company basketball team, and they're going to form this team. They didn't know whether you could play or not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, it was more of you better play or you know what that other list is, and you better not let me down. It was it was the unspoken side of um, how life was if you let someone down. That's right. That's so right. All the time we were being molded and and groomed to uh, to lead, and also. To, to not fear and to overcome your own, um, you know, inhibitions when it comes to going out to do things. Right. right. So we, we were a little different when it came to, you know, the outgoing personalities or the being out on the court or playing with the big boys and some other things. We both grew grew up in inner city mm-hmm. um, with, with similar backgrounds. But my life growing up was, was rough. You know, you had to fight. To, right, to right. go to the areas where, you know, the best ball players were, and I got to be a good fighter. So I'm figuring I got to come out here to play ball. And uh, so you had that side of the being molded and, and being freed of many of the things that you brought in that would hinder your growth yeah, as, yeah. you know, individually. 
because um, I brought some baggage with me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I still, <laughs> I still had that street in me to some degree. Yeah, oh, yeah, but oh, yeah. The military and putting that uniform on uh, and that common sense of, look, we can all do well in watching uh, your friends prosper and, and helping them along did a lot for me because I had someone in my corner you know, saying, man, I know you're going to make it this time, you know, on promotions, uh, studying, taking exams, getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, marching, being in soldier of the month, soldier of the year, soldier of the quarter, whatever you were in. You gained that confidence because you had someone telling you that you can do it. And when I mentioned uh, Captain Loudermilk, he didn't ask me whether I wanted to run for Soldier of the Month, he said, you are going to be my Soldier of the Month. Right. And not <laughs> from a standpoint of a handout, but you know you got to go to work. And right. then after I became Soldier of the Month and competing with other members in the unit, it was okay, well, okay, now you got to get ready for Soldier of the Quarter. So I'm thinking I, I can kind of slack up and let off. But it was that type of commitment from other people who saw more in you and I, you know, you seeing more in me and me seeing more in you. Mm. And then sometimes you were a good reminder for me that I couldn't slack off because I had a responsibility to you. That's right. That's right. You know, so I, I couldn't just go and do just do anything because, you know, I, I'm not going to say your brain wasn't fully developed. But, <laughs> but you don't have to say it. Was, that was a fact. Growing, you know? <laughs> look, look, okay, we're talking to Edward Buss Johnson, fellow veteran here on the Federal Football Report. Now, before we before we started recording the segment, you texted me and you reminded me of a couple of instances that we uh, are. <laughs> well, we're, we're talking about pushing each other. And now, see, and, and being an athlete, you know, I, I, I was still growing, as Buss said. I was, I was still growing. Learn, uh, just learning uh, how to become myself. Now, see, Bus was an athlete, right? Bus was a ball player. Bus was a cross country uh, uh, track star. So tell tell them about the the night run we that you encouraged me to go on with you that night. This was after we left training. We had gone our separate ways, and then we were reunited again uh, at Fort Hood in Fort Hood, Texas, deep in the heart of Texas. So so, Buzz, tell them tell them about that night and the and the and the the workout that you took me on. Well, Kevin, as I said, Mister Stanfield, as he would go by, <laughs> he insisted that he would go on a run, and he would tell me. At times I would train, I would run 10 and 2, 10 one day, 2 the next, 10, and I would do that six days a week. But this one time, I'm going to go 18 miles. <laughs> so Kevin knew I was going to run, you know, getting prepared and everything. He says, come on, boss, man, let me go. Let, let me go, man. Come on, I'm not going to hold you out. I'm not going to hold you out. <laughs> I'm like, Kevin, come on, man. This ain't a run you just want to jump into. But like most things, <laughs> Kevin insisted. He was going to get out there and he was going to run. And his Adidas were <laughs> nice and clean. And he was convinced that he was going to make that run. And he promised me, I'm not going to hold you up. Plus, I ain't going to hold you up, man, I promise. So we were going to run cattle trails. And Fort Hood is 350 square miles for anybody who may not be familiar with it. Fort Hood at the time 
was almost as large as the city that I grew up in. Yeah. As far as the number of troops that were there. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody was not your friend. You know, you see people wearing different, uh, you know, unit uh, badges, right, right. whatever kind of thing. We're talking about the but Second anyway, Armored so Division, was, First Cavalry Division. Yeah. These are real, real soldiers. Right. Okay. That's right. The, the Seventh <laughs> Army Division, everything mm-hmm. that was out there. Right. So, anyway, so Kevin and I go on this run. And I told him, I said, look, I'm not looking back. So, you know, you're going to get kicking. So I'm running for time at the time. Mm. And Kevin, for maybe about the first eight miles, man, he's right there with me. I'm like, go ahead, man. I'm all right. You know, looking back, my little brother. brother So he's going along. I think we got about about 12 miles, maybe. And I look back, and I see him back in the horizon. He's still running. (laughs) Still, Still running. And we were going. There was no time uh, for any type of electronics, you know, as far as the things we have. That's right. That's right. We have now. And he was running. And we ran. When I crossed at the 18-mile mark, and I stopped trying to catch my breath and everything, waited a few minutes. (laughs) There he is. (laughs) My my boy was still kicking. He, he, He made that run. He said he would make that run, and, and I was proud of him. I didn't tell him too much because I didn't want, you know, <laughs> at, at the time, you know, having his head blow up was not the best thing that happened. <laughs> so so he did make that run, and I said, man, you know what? Man, you know, you, you said you were going to make that run. And I know I know he was hurting. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I knew he was hurting. But um, the same with basketball. He would go out and work, and we would, we would play, you know. Uh, and I told him, I said, you know, something that a friend of mine, um, it did with me that really helped me out. We would play one-on-one whole court. And you know, defensively, if you let your man go, he was gone. There yeah. was no help. Yeah, yeah. So Kevin and I played one-on-one whole court, and, and he realized more. I watched him change as far as being more competitive, you know, and, and, and not giving up on a play. You got tired of losing. So you're right about <laughs> ath- uh, the athletics um, and you in football, some of the yeah. things that people may not know about you was you were a exceptional wide receiver. Now, he would go off here and we would practice and we would practice and just keep going. But he wasn't a guy that would take something on and just give up or, or just settle for being uh, average. You know, so I, that was one thing I noticed about you in uh one reason why I enjoy working out with. Well, you know what? Let me, uh, you know, because I tried to get a couple more of our friends. And, and, and I want to tell everybody that um, we had an opportunity. Now, we're talking, you know, we're talking about these things like they were just like last week or last month. We were talking, we're talking about the 1970s, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're talking about the 1970s. And there was a couple of guys who were very, very close to us. And we had an opportunity to have a, a reunion a couple of years back. Uh, Louis Long and Ray Neblett. We all went down to Houston and had a reunion. And a couple of months ago, my wife had never met any of the guys. Bus couldn't make it to this uh, trip, but uh, you know, she he, he practically was there because we kept talking about him the whole time. And my wife had a chance to meet Lewis and Ray, and then we talked and we talked and talked. And then my wife uh, asked uh, Lewis's wife, "How long did they all know each other?" And it, it turns out we were all just together for at most like two years. But she says, the, the way to, to hear you guys talk, it seemed like you knew each other your whole lives. 
And, 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 and that's basically what it was, man, because it's really when our lives really began. I mean, whatever happened before that, that was one thing, but but our lives really began when we when we like all got together, man, and like the expression "iron sharpens iron." That's truly what it was like with us, because it was you could be totally yourself with this group of guys, and the only thing we really wanted to do was make each other better. That's all we cared about. We we I mean that was it. We all wanted to be better because there could come a time in life where our lives depended on one another, but we were ready for it. That is that is so profound because I remember um, like introductions when you go to uh, a new duty station. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like walking into high school as a freshman. Right, right, exactly. You know, you may know people, but you don't know how to approach. Them. So when uh, I went to Fort Hood, you know, with you being there, I'm like, oh man, Kev, you know, you in Fort Hood. And knowing that I could not stay there, you know, as far as my career, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I had to go overseas. So I volunteered for everything in the world <laughs> to get out of there. Um, but it, I never lost that uh, longing to uh, kind of stay in touch with you guys right. and see how you were doing. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what, man? We were supposed to have been talking for like 10 minutes, and we've gone, we're approaching the half hour. <laughs> which is oh, cool. man. I, you know, that's I cool. Didn't know. No, that's cool. I, I didn't know it either. But before we go, uh, you got to tell one more story. <laughs> and, and it's the story of uh, it was a, a Christmas. Uh, we had leave for Christmas from Fort Hood, Texas. Now, you know, I'm born and raised in D.C., and uh, buses from uh, the Newport News, Portsmouth, Suffolk area, you know, down there, right? And we just tell them the story about us and, and and the Christmas, <laughs> the Christmas trip. Man. This is a story that, that most people may not believe. <laughs> you know, on the one hand, we were all good friends and very close. You couldn't slide anything in between us, a credit card. But someone got this great idea that we would drive from Fort Hood, Texas, <laughs> um, to Washington, D.C. But it wasn't one drive. Four people were in the in the car. Yeah, was yeah. it four or five, Kevin? It was five. Five. Five people in the car. <laughs> Kevin was the last one on the route. Being yeah. D.C. was the farthest. Right, right. About 200 miles north, 180 miles north of where I live. But everybody else, coming out of central Texas, anyone who's taken that drive, you are so happy when you see Welcome to Louisiana yeah. uh, sign. It took a day to I'm get out of Texas. I'm talking about a luxury vehicle. Oh, well, it is like, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you say in a luxury vehicle, but tell them what we was in. We were in a Pinto. <laughs> we were in a Pinto. Listen, a Ford Pinto. We fought. I'm talking about, you know how tight we are, right? That's right. So we almost fought to see who would drive because <laughs> the driving seat had more room. Now I'm 6'3", Kevin 6'3". You know, we were the tallest in the group. But if you get in the backseat of a Pinto and you have to ride <laughs> from Central Texas to just the Louisiana line and stuff, oh, man. temporary insanity, <laughs> would, would, anyone would agree with that. It was so painful. This thing must uh, not have had one ounce of cushion on the seat. Oh, God. So we would drop off and then they'd take bags out. And and we drop one person off and it's pitch black outside. <laughs> it's okay, man, now it's four. But again, man, I'll drive. No, no, I'll drive. <laughs> so we go from B and D's to really tight knit, can't slide a credit card in between us friends to 
you, you know, there's another way we could handle it. <laughs> it was, it was like we were, we were aggravated. Yeah, just leave now, him. Finally, just leave him. Yeah. Finally, we were to drop off. We would go to Georgia. We had a drop off in Georgia. Then it's just Kevin and I, you know, and we got to go from Georgia to D.C. So, well, I think maybe it was 22 hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you got home, 22 hours. Oh, yeah. So, meanwhile, we had 22 hours of breathing the same air <laughs> in a car that literally hurt. That's right. You know. Four and, 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 and Max speed, 48 miles an hour. <laughs> yes. The, 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 it would only go so fast. We weren't stopping because that would add to yeah. the length of the drive. Yeah, because if we stopped and got out of the car, we wouldn't want to get back in. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was it was so memorable, more more memorable than any trip that I've ever uh, taken in my life. I surely would so never I forget it, Kevin. That you know this had to really be, if if you had to judge our friendship and our tolerance for humanity, <laughs> it, it, it had to be measured by that trip oh, in, in the car with these brothers. That's so it, it. It was wonderful. But uh, if I had to do it again, I could only say, "Give me a covered wagon." <laughs> yeah, really, or, or something. Really, I would. I, would, I uh, what do you call it? A Segway. I would have done a little motorized scooter. I would do that. Well, man, this has been a a a, a great uh, uh, revisitation of uh, what. Uh, excuse me, I'll have to edit that out. Of what Veterans Day. It's really all about, right? You know, it's, it's about, you know, the honor we had, the privilege we had of serving. And, and we got, like I said, we got uh, the skills and the training and the benefits. But it's something we took from it, man, that's, that's way beyond any of that, man. And I'm eternally grateful for it, man. I love you guys, man. And, uh, you know, hey, that, what else can I say, bro? I I, I certainly agree. And, um when when we had kind of lost touch, yeah. I looked for years, and I would often want to look for years. And this is pre-internet, uh, and times I would think I had found you, but I can say when I did, I remember smacking my hands together and jumping up, man, That's and just right. thanking God. That's right. And uh, you know, little did I know that just two weeks prior to that, you had gotten in touch with Ray and Lewis. Right, right, right. So I'm right. really thankful. Uh, it's a brotherhood that. Few people will understand, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, when Ray and Lewis listen to this, right, you know, with the marriage, you get the internet, they're going to get mad. But you know what? I'm telling you, fellas, you're welcome. Just give me a call. You know, we'll, we'll put aside. We'll have a special uh, post-Veterans Day celebration, right? So, Buzz, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Kevin. I will be talking with you later. Full disclosure, the interview went 28 minutes. It was only supposed to go eight minutes. But uh, that's what uh, a special time, a, a special uh, privilege it was to serve in the military because there's nothing else like it. And that's why I want you on this Veterans Day to um, acknowledge a veteran. To uh, I mean, not only just say thank you for your service, we appreciate that, but acknowledge the fact that there's a group of men and women out there who have sacrificed, sacrificed to be in a position where they keep this country safe, where they allow you to, to, to live under the umbrella of freedom. So uh, just acknowledge your veteran, and Veterans Day is a very special day for me. The only way, the only way I will work on Veterans Day 
is to do the Federal Football Report. So for Claude Jennings, I'm Kevin Stanfield. We're going to come back next week. We're going to review the Jets game. We'll continue to monitor the development of young Mr. Haskins and the development of old Mr. Callahan. So, hey, look, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Stanfield Kevin. He's at Claude J Radio. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Federal Football Report on the Federal News Network. Soon to be coming to podcast. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.